It was time that a female-friendly media brand was created. Big Sis Australia is leading the way by inspiring women to be the best they can be. Welcome to the Big Sis Pod. To say that you're either a vegetarian or a vegan nowadays, it is becoming more and more common in today's society. And it's probably because of the information that is at our fingertips online. And once you see and hear the real facts, it is hard to go back. So this episode may get you either an interesting dinner table conversation or perhaps it will really disturb you. That's why it's coming with a warning that it may offend some listeners. Deanna Kangas from Anonymous for the Voiceless in Adelaide. Welcome so much to the Big Sis Pod. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, well, it is certainly a heated debate from both sides. So it's going to be really fascinating to get into it from a vegan standpoint. So let's go into your own personal journey. So you've been vegan for how long now? I have been vegan for almost four years coming up in the middle of this year. And prior to that, I was vegetarian for about six, seven years. So overall, I probably haven't eaten meat for going on to 11 years at this point. Okay. Well, that's a fairly long time. And I think that in today's society, we're obviously talking about it a lot more and it's more welcomed. But yeah, I think it's still quite taboo for some people. So this is going to be really good to talk about. So originally you went to vegetarian first. Can you run us through what made you change your mind to go to vegetarian and then you up-leveled to the vegan status? Yeah, um, so for me, it was a little bit of a different journey to everybody else. Um, I remember being in my early 20s and having dinner at the table one night with the family. And it was just me, my mum and my dad and my sister. And I had a piece of chicken on my plate. I remember the dish having chicken specifically in it. And I wasn't really into eating meat at all growing up anyway, unless it was kind of well disguised. I just really never kind of liked it all that much. So Um, you'd put it under the vegetables, would you? Yeah, it would sort of have to be, you know, either crumbed or baked in something or with lots of sauce on top Mm. or, you know, just never really sort of used to eat, let's say, like a piece of lean meat or something with some veggies. It was very much like uh, little bits here and there. Mm. And then I just remember specifically sitting there going, why am I even eating this? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me to eat another being. Like, it kind of just came into my awareness and I kind of was like, I don't want to eat this to my parents. I don't want to eat this. And my younger sister's at the table at the same time. And she's like, yeah, me neither. It just doesn't make sense. I don't want to eat meat anymore. And so we both just didn't have it. And mum and dad are kind of like, all right, eat everything else then. Leave the meat alone. And <laughs> and we kind of just did. We made that decision. And it wasn't until a few years later that I probably came across, you know, some more of the ethics and realised what I wasn't contributing to at the time. I started off as pescatarian at first and then eventually let go of fish. And I also let go of dairy very early on as well, um, you know, knowing the cruelty of the dairy industry. Um, So essentially I was only eating probably eggs and honey and maybe little bits of other things here and there for quite some period of time. And then when I came across uh, veganism was really for a health perspective because my younger sister was diagnosed uh, with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is obviously a form of cancer, quite early on. Since she was in remission, her and I had spent quite a few years looking at health and why this happened and why it continued to happen in our family specifically as well. We've got a history of many different diseases. And I guess that's what kind of led to veganism is once I found out about the health perspective, The biggest thing for me was 
I also went, okay, so then what's the ethics side of veganism for the last few things that I'm still eating as a vegetarian? And when I came across the cruelty of those things and having that realization that as a vegetarian for the last, you know, six years at that point, I was still contributing to that suffering. It was a really hard pill to swallow. And so immediately I went vegan because that was my intention from the start. Well, we might as well go into the ethical side of things because you've just brought that up. So for anyone that doesn't know, like I guess a lot of people are thinking that the dairy industry is different. So can you run us through what, in your opinion, happens with the dairy industry? You don't know what you don't know. And so I guess what most people don't realise is the process of how the milk actually gets to your plate or to your cup or whatever it is. So one of the things is, is that obviously a cow does need to, in fact, have been pregnant and given birth to a baby in order to produce milk, just like a human mother. So she has a gestation of nine months, just like a human mother does as well. Of course, for that milk to go to the places that it needs to be sold, something has to happen to that baby cow that she's just given birth to as well. So if we kind of start it from the beginning, the bulls, are, their semen is taken from them it is you know ejaculated from them and then she is put on what is the industry calls a rape rack that is the industry name for it a rape rack she's strapped into the rape rack where a farmer will forcibly impregnate her with the semen obviously she has a baby she gestates for nine months once she's given birth to the baby within the first typically one to four days that baby is taken away from her And if you've ever seen, if you ever want to do a Google search on seeing a calf being separated from its mother, you can hear the cries and it's very painful to watch as you could imagine any mother having its baby separated from it as well. Mm. So that baby is taken away so that the milk can obviously be redirected for human consumption. That little baby, if it's a male calf specifically, um, because it can't be, you know, used to continue to produce milk, obviously grown up as a female, that bobby calf goes off to slaughter, usually between one and four days old, and that becomes veal. And so if people, you know, like their lean veal, that is a really small baby cow that is obviously, you know, taken away from its mother. And then in terms of the milk production itself, when the cow is being milked over and over again on the machines on a daily basis, it's very common for the cows to develop mastitis, which is an infection of the udder, which means that that's why there is um, an industry allowance for the percentage of the milk that you buy in the supermarkets or anywhere for that matter to be blood and pus um, because of the infection. And obviously that's where a lot of the antibiotics come in and that filters through to you as a human as well and so the cycle just perpetuates like that and so a lot of people might say that oh but it's natural for a cow to have you know milk and if they've got too much milk you know then to give it to the humans firstly usually the milk that you're buying hasn't come from that beautiful scenario that you think it has Mm. Um, and secondly at the end of the day that cow doesn't have the ability to give you permission to use its milk Um, and so then that comes back to you know, the human uh, psychology of thinking that we have the right to exercise our dominion over animals 
without their choice, which is obviously a whole other debate. But I guess that gives you a mm. brief insight into it. And I've actually kept it quite brief because you can go quite in depth. Yeah, well, I've just learned something myself. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think a lot of people get confused with, and I'm just trying to keep it broad, and I know that everyone's got their own opinion on this, but um, I've just heard a lot of people in the farming community and things like that. It depends on the farm. So are there any farms that are practicing this differently or they all have to do the same process? Well, I think the the point of veganism is that um, that is irrelevant when it Mm. comes to veganism Mm. because our perspective is at the end of the day, when it comes to the animals, why are we making these choices on their behalf? Mm -hmm. We've been led to believe for a long period of time that it's normal, natural and necessary. Although if you have a look, you'll realise that really this has only become a bigger part of our diet since the Industrial Revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, it really wasn't for a long time. And so when you're bringing it back to the point of the animals, at the end of the day, all of these things that we're doing to the animals, whether they are on a a farm where the animals, it's very rare to find a farm where the animals just die of natural causes and that is the cow that you've had for milk. At some point in time, those animals do get sent off for slaughter. Obviously, having the cows pregnant and giving birth on a constant cycle, just the same way as a human mother, doing that more than is natural for their bodies, it shortens their lifespan. And so the lifespan of a dairy cow is usually six or seven years. At that point, she's sent off to slaughter for mutton, for cheaper meat, you know, in comparison to the 20 years that a cow can actually live as well. So when it comes to the fact that even if it's someone who's practicing better conditions, how do you humanely kill something that doesn't want to die? Because humane slaughter in itself is an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. The humane only cancels out our guilt. It doesn't actually make it just. Mm. Yep, very true, very true. The information that you're giving is amazing. And look, I know that we do have access to it online now, so it's one good thing about the internet. But let's talk about why you actually joined up to become an organiser for the Anonymous for the Voiceless. So you're a coordinator with the group in Adelaide. So just talk us through why you are so passionate about it now. Yeah. um, So basically, I mean, having been vegan for such a long time, I was passionate about it the minute that I became vegan. And for any other vegans out there that might be listening to this specifically, you can get in a really hard situation where you have this information that you want to share. And it's not because you don't want to share it because you want to tell people that they're doing something wrong. You want to share it because you wish that it was shared with you sooner. And if it resonates with someone else, then you want to make sure that they get that information as quickly as possible because, you know, a lot of people, as soon as this comes into their awareness, it's really quite easy. Um, A lot of people might talk about how difficult it is to come to veganism, but essentially what about the other side where there's a lot of people who have made the connection just real quickly and just gone, okay, this is definitely for me. And I'm so glad that I know this now Mm. because I know that the simplest choice I make on a daily basis can have such a great impact. There's a great saying by an activist couple called that vegan couple that says, going vegan is not the most we can do, it's the least we can do. It's establishing veganism as a moral baseline. Yes, there are many other things in this world that need help and we should all be contributing towards those things also. We're talking about the simplest choice you make on a daily basis and that is what you put into your body. And so for me, it was one of those things where 
I wanted to speak for such a long time, but unfortunately I was just, you know, it was really hard speaking to the wrong people. Not everybody is ready to receive the information. So sometimes as a vegan, if you are one out there, you understand that you feel like you're constantly butting heads. And so I decided that after so long of everyone telling me to just keep my veganism to myself and be quiet about it, I went, okay, I'm going to hit the streets with my activism instead, and I'm going to speak to people who actually want to talk to me. And so I joined up with the Adelaide chapter of Anonymous for the Voiceless only early last year after I went away to Europe for a month, and I spent my time thinking, what do I do with my spare time? And all I did was watch videos on activism and veganism, and I just wanted to know more about the subject. So I hit the streets for the first time um, and straight away just loved speaking to people, talking about all the different topics and helping them with the questions that they have that they perhaps had no one to ask about. And within about, oh, it was about six weeks, the organisers had asked me to come on and co-organise with them. And I did. I basically joined up and we've been consistently doing cubes on the streets of Adelaide, usually twice a month um, ever since, and plus other different activism things in between as well. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of happened real quick. And this is a worldwide group, isn't it? So it's around all the major capital cities in Australia and, of course, overseas. Uh, yeah, there are many different chapters. And basically, if you are in an area where you are looking for a chapter, all of it is generally run on Facebook. You can head to the Anonymous for the Voiceless website as well. But if you're looking for a group, you look for like AV and then you type in your location that you're in. Um, and some smaller cities have them as well. It's not just capital cities. You just might have to do a little bit of a searching around, but it's all in private Facebook groups that you'd have to submit some questions and approve to be a part of. Um, and then you can just see what your local chapter is all about and kind of get the vibe from there. And if there isn't one in your local chapter, you could actually contact them directly and start one up if that's something that you're interested in as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if anyone hasn't seen that particular group that you're with, so you wear the all in black, don't you, with the white masks and then there's the TV screens, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's like a cube with the with the white Guy Fawkes masks on, usually all dressed in blacks and holding screens and laptops and signs. Um, obviously, just showing footage of in Australia, we show Australian footage mm -hmm. of what's going on for slaughter. And again, it is a peaceful protest. We are just standing there holding the footage. People stop as they pass by and some people stop and there are people there to have a conversation with them if they would like to have a conversation. And we do get conversations. Most of the conversations are really peaceful. People have questions and they're really shocked by what they see because they didn't realise you know exactly what it was it's kind of just making that connection and then there's a lot of people who get very triggered by it and they want to have debates about it as well and you don't even have to speak if it's uh, you're a vegan and you just want to participate but you're not comfortable talking to people yet standing in the demonstration and just holding something is just as powerful as being like myself who likes to talk to people as they pass by. Mm, okay so what do you find is one of the most common queries that people are really surprised about? It depends on the person so obviously the three major topics that we touch on when it comes to veganism is ethics is a big one, health is always a big one and environment is a big one. I think people are 
generally shocked by the environmental perspective a lot of the time. Um, people are aware that veganism is better for their health because that's obviously become a lot more mainstream these days as well, knowing that the four leading diseases on the planet, for example, um, are linked to the consumption of animal products. We're talking heart disease, cancer, diabetes. So obviously it's not new information that these lifestyle-based diseases have everything to do with exactly that, our lifestyles. When it comes to ethics, innately, people are good. Nobody wants to hurt an animal. If I put an animal in front of you, whether it's a dog or if it's a cow or a sheep, you're going to want to pat it. You don't want to hurt it. Nobody does. Nobody looks at that and goes, I want to inflict pain. They're there and they're more inclined to, to want to play and, and see that animal smile. And I think they don't realize just how far the sentience of those beings goes in terms of the fact that they really are the same as humans. They just don't have a voice, hence why it's called Anonymous for the Voiceless. Mm. Um, environment is a big part, though, realizing that 65% of greenhouse gas emissions are actually from the animal agriculture industry compared to 35% in the transport sector. Well, it's so powerful to really learn this information. On a personal note, I'm vegetarian at this stage, but, you know, it is just learning more and more about it, which is why I wanted to have you on. Have you got some handy tips for anyone that's wanting to become a vegan or is a new vegan? Because it's quite hard to prep all your meals up, etc. because, you know, not everyone's got vegan options when you're out, you know, at a cafe, etc. So what kind of tips have you got for anyone that's starting with this lifestyle? Well, um, look, once upon a time, I used to have to prep all my food, but I don't anymore because, to be honest with you, it's very easy to be vegan in Australia. Most places have vegan options. And I think one of the things that people don't realise is that majority of what you already eat is probably vegan. You're literally just omitting a tiny little portion or substituting it for something else. And so I guess the one thing is, is that I can talk about it lots because I've been doing this for a long time, but you need to educate yourself because it is learning something new. It's like learning anything new. And the more that you know about the topic, about where to find food, for example, there's a really great app that you can get called Happy Cow, um, where you can find all of the vegan and vegetarian restaurants nearby, wherever you are. All you do is you just open up the app and you can search by the location and it will tell you, you know, in proximity to where you are, what's the closest to the furthest away. So that's a really great way to find places that are either vegan, vegetarian or have plant-based options as well. You can also get educated in terms of, okay, so what do I need to do for recipes? Or in terms of shopping, it's very easy. You go to Coles or Woolworths and instead of walking down the meat aisle, you walk down the section with the plant-based alternatives and you choose those instead. It really doesn't take any extra time out of your day. It's just about substituting one thing for something else. And in terms of the health, a lot of people always have questions about health. Nutritionfacts.org is another really great resource. It's a website that will have pretty much a video on every question that you might have answered in just a couple of minute video with all of the resources if you want to do further research as well. Sounds amazing. Well, you have just really helped a lot of the listeners and and including myself just to keep learning and keep growing and start really questioning what we're doing to the animals and also to the planet. So great information, Deanna. That's all right. Um, And if there's one thing I just want to sort of leave your listeners with, it would be a lot of people feel like veganism might be difficult for them. 
But I think the beauty of veganism for me was when I realized that veganism actually isn't about me at all. This is not about a personal choice. This is about a choice that I make on a daily basis to realize how significant my impact as a human really is. And we can sit and empower each other. And I'm very big into this space as a coach for the last 12 years. I've been helping people to realize how wonderful and significant they are as you know these beautiful sovereign beings we are on this planet and when we realize just how powerful we are down to the smallest choices we make on a daily basis that helps us to really heighten our awareness and as a collective consciousness to progress forward in this universe as we need to as well beautifully said well thank you once again for your insight on this topic thank you so much for having me Want to start following us on social media, but you weren't quite sure where to find us? Well, you will find us on Insta, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter and YouTube, all under Big Sis Australia. I can't wait to see you there.